Welcome back to another episode of Fast Casual Nation. I'm your host, Paul Barron, and as you guys know, we cover probably the most amazing topics ever in the history of Fast Casual right here on this show. And of course, today is no different. We're going to actually have what I think is one of the up and covers when you look at the pre-COVID ranking of top Fast Casual concepts. This little concept in San Francisco was making a move in the market, and I've got the CEO, Mr. Charles Belilis. Great to have you on the show of Suvla. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me. Nice to see you, man. Good to see you. Yeah. All right. So we got a lot to talk about. Uh, I yeah. know. I know things have been rough on uh, your business. Let's go into kind of what happened with Suvla, where you are right now as of today, here on the uh, sure first thing. first of September. Yeah. So we, we have the, the sort of advantage and or disadvantage, depending on how you look at it, of, of, of operating in San Francisco, which was the first city uh, to go full shelter in place right. in March. And what was really interesting was we were we were getting ready for this. I actually sort of crafted a, a uh, system kind of loosely modeled after, after the uh, Department of Defense's DEF CON system of, of, uh, DEF CON, uh, five through, through one in sort of this like state of readiness that was everything from normal operation to full close. Yeah. And what was, and so this was in, in the, in the middle of March. And from, from the moment that, that we saw this coming, we went regular operation into full close in a matter of only uh, a couple of days. We, wow. we closed uh, all of our restaurants in, in the middle of March, I want to say the 18th, um, and kept all of our uh, team on and hunkered down. Uh, we knew that this was going to be going on for quite some time. We didn't anticipate it going on for, for this long, but we, we retained all uh, 176 of our uh, employees through the early part of June. We were fortunate enough to get uh, PPP money. Um, and, and really we closed 100% for the health and safety of our, of our teams. We didn't know enough about COVID. We didn't know exactly what this was going to be, the impact it was going to have. Obviously we had the advantage of, of doing a lot of off-premise um, and there was a lot of demand for us to be open during that time, but we felt it far more important to take the time, keep everyone safe, educate ourselves. Um, we were fortunate, as, as I said, to get PPP money, um, but that only lasted so long. We, we used it exactly the way that it was uh, intended to be used. We had to lay off our entire hourly workforce uh, in the beginning of June, which was obviously one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do. Um, and then we, we hit a point, uh, unfortunately, uh, where we either needed to get the restaurants back open again, or we knew we wouldn't, uh, have restaurants. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really, really terrible thing to be in a position where you have to choose between, uh, your livelihood and this, and, and the, and the, and the life of, of this business and this brand that you've created, um, between that and your own life. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was yeah. back in the restaurants, you know, on the front lines with everyone else, you know, working during this, this, this reopening time. And so, you know, there's so much to be said for just the, 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 the abject failure of, of leadership at, at almost every level. And it just, it's one of the most difficult, uh, positions to be in as a business owner to have to kind of, you know, constantly wrestle with that. Mm -hmm. uh, but here we are, uh, yeah. reopening the restaurants under conditions that were 
exponentially worse than we had expected them to be when we closed back in uh, March. Um, I, at this point now, at the at the start of the month, uh, I'm happy to say that we have reopened all four of our brick and mortar uh, restaurants. Uh, they are operating uh, with limited hours and with uh, limited teams, uh, but we have begun rehiring back our hourly workforce. Um, and so this has been just really, really quite the uh, journey. We knew that it was not going to be a light switch on off. We knew this was going to be a little bit more of a dimmer situation. Uh, and, and despite our, our best efforts to sort of ease back in, uh, it was still a little bit of a, a jumping on a treadmill while it was going at full speed. Um, certainly yeah. when we reopened the rest, when we started the reopening process in uh, July. So, and we were very fortunate to have had just a tremendous outflowing of uh, uh, support from from all of our loyal guests uh, to the point that we just got completely uh, inundated with with orders in those in those first couple of days. You know, very long lines. It actually broke a lot of our online order ordering technology, yeah. and so we had to kind of go back to the to the drawing board. Um, and so here we are, just kind of settling. In you know our our operations teams taking a, starting to kind of transition out of the restaurants a little bit more and, and sort of hand them back to to our managers and our and our line level teams, um, but we are only doing uh, to go and delivery. We are not doing outdoor dining. Yeah, or indoor dining. We're not doing indoor dining. This is not or allowed out, in California. But, uh, but we're also either? not doing. We're, we're also not doing outdoor dining either. Okay, interesting. Sure. So would the would the future success of Suvla be predicated on building a model that's going to be dealing with uh, takeout delivery, catering, off-premise, uh, those factors, with especially in the state of California, because it's kind of a, you just don't know. Uh, how are you guys going to be looking at this as you go forward? Is this going to be something that is going to stick with the brand? And do you think um, it will see any sort of a semblance to where we were uh, for indoor dining in the future? Yeah, I, we were very fortunate in, in that we had a, a, a very healthy off-premise business pre-COVID. Uh, about 50% of the business um, was off-premise through a combination of uh, to-go and delivery. Um, and we're, we're very grateful that we've been able to bring back uh, basically all 50% of that business. So we're, so we're now running at about 50% of what we used to. Um, with you know respect to the, to the future, I think that we're going to be doing this to-go delivery uh, when we're going to be operating in this model, certainly through the end of this year, um, I sort of maintain, and it, it is a it is a personal belief, and this is not something that that um, should be taken as any sort of a, a, a you know negative commentary on, on all the other operators that are that are doing outdoor dining. I, I still feel that outdoor dining um, is is or can be quite dangerous if it's not done correctly, and and yeah. you know there are a lot of people that are doing outdoor dining in a way um, that despite their best efforts um, are, are is not very, very helpful. You have, you know, um, you have populations of people that are, that are getting together they're getting together in, in groups. Everyone starts to drink alcohol, the masks come off and never come back on. Um, those are things that, that I think are going to be challenging um, as we continue to try to, you know, recover and, and sort of get back to normal. And so with respect to your question about the future, like I said, we've, we, we've been able to uh, pivot in a way where we're, where we're just doing, you know, this this volume that we're kind of used to doing uh, just through those those two channels, 
Um, our restaurants historically have always been quite small to begin with. We've always had kind of relatively small dining right. rooms, so we're not yeah. dealing with massive uh, restaurants. Um, but I think with respect to you know future projects, we'll, we'll definitely start start to sort of design with more outdoor dining in mind and less indoor dining as as part of any sort of future restaurants. Yeah. Know? Well, it's going to be interesting to see. I've talked to you know twenty to thirty fast casual operators over the past few months here on this show. And it's amazing the difference in the kind of models that they're adapting. Obviously, most of it being takeout, delivery, curbside, all these different mm -hmm. uh, factors. But it is starting to seep into the whole aspect of restructuring now their belief on how they're actually going to manage real estate over the next few years. Um, so it's kind of giving them, in essence, a new business plan of how they have to create unit economics, deal with labor, cost controls, all those kind of things. It pretty much revamps the fast casual business for, in many cases, in many of these operators, uh, that is going to be something that's probably going to stick with them for quite some time. Being California, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of operators that are really, really challenged. This is one of the hardest hit states that we've uh, registered in terms of our data from Foodable Labs. What is it like out there? Are you talking to other operators that are giving you kind of any feedback as to what's happening? Are you seeing you know, factions within the city or around uh, San Francisco that are kind of starting to move. I've talked to people in Oakland, which um, has started to actually do a little bit more of a, a more aggressive reopening uh, strategy. What are your thoughts on that? How that's going to affect kind of the uh, the city of San Francisco in terms of dining scene? Sure. Well, we've been fortunate in, in San Francisco to have a, a relatively small and fairly tight-knit uh, community of chefs and uh, restaurateurs, and and this is, and and we've always been relatively well, you know, uh, connected. This has just given us a, a new opportunity to really organize. Um, yeah. It's always been challenging to just to just organize chefs and restaurateurs with schedules and and just you know everyone's lives and and, and everything else. So there, there's been a you know a little bit more bandwidth for everyone to really start to to come together. Um, we're, we're, we're seeing sort of things happen on, on opposite ends of the spectrum. On, on one end, um, we're seeing local neighborhoods and merchant associations really organize and uh, put some, some pressure on the, on, on the city of San Francisco to start to um, close off streets and sort of create a little bit more of a kind of a, a European feel. We've, yeah. we've seen that in, in other cities, but uh, San Francisco, you know, two of our restaurants operate, well, all of our restaurants operate in these kind of small neighborhoods, mm -hmm. um, which has actually been uh, pretty uh, important for us, not only in the history of the brand, but also uh, at this time, we don't actually have a, a physical presence in any sort of downtown financial district uh, scene, which is obviously the most decimated right now as, as offices are, are closed. Right. So we are yeah. in these, we are in these neighborhoods that, that we're, we're starting to kind of see come back these, these, these small uh, retail uh, corridors. And so by closing the streets, that is bringing more people there, but also from our end, just because we're in neighborhoods where people live uh, and people are working from home, it's a lot easier for for people to order from Suvla and you know walk down the street and place their order and, and, and pick it up. Um, so that's been super helpful. So so starting to see the closures and, and everything on, on on one end, um, but on the opposite end of the spectrum, the the city of San Francisco is just dealing with so much right now, and mm -hmm. we as Restaurant operators uh, and other business owners are, are really trying to organize to put 
um, a little bit more pressure on our uh, elected and appointed city officials to really start to kind of um, well hold them um, uh, accountable for keeping our streets clean and safe. Um, you know, we're just dealing with a lot of uh, you know, property oh, yeah. crime and, you know, yeah. mentally ill, um, you know, drug addicted, those experiencing homelessness. So those are all sort of additional challenges that are, that are, um, you know, that are now at the doorstep of, of every small business owner, uh, restaurants obviously, um, uh, included. And, and because so much of the restaurant scene is now outside, uh, the city has allowed, much like other cities, restaurants to build these these parklets, these these outdoor dining rooms. Um, it's pushing everything out, out outside. So now all of right. these problems are, are sort of uh, far more visible, whether it's to the guest or to the yeah. operator. They're literally right in your dining room now, uh, for sure. Correct. So, okay. So that being said, you are dealing with, and we've seen uh, the California Restaurant Association attempt to try to do some things to help get uh, things on the back. Uh, kind of uh, at least back to a point of where the industry is somewhat represented. Your thoughts on on how, especially when you look at state associations, what are your thoughts on how these state associations could potentially, um, you know, take big steps, whether it's on uh, relief funding? I know the NRA did a, a big uh, play towards Capitol Hill on, on trying to get a specific relief fund set up uh, for sure. restaurant industry. What are your thoughts on on that? Are there is there any organi- organizing going on within the state of California right now that's assisting operators in trying to get things moving at least from a political standpoint back to you know to really to a very powerful position in the community, which is what they've always had. Uh, yeah, anything that's I mean, we do move that along. You know, we do have the California Restaurant uh, um, Association, which is you know the largest trade group uh, in the in the state with with respect to the to the restaurant industry. I think the biggest thing coming out of COVID is is really just um, the need for restaurants to get organized. You know, mm-hmm. we we as restaurant operators make up. Uh, whether it's locally or at a, at a state level, but certainly at a national level, just such a tremendous percentage of of uh, just the the local or city or state or national um, uh, economy, just providing you know tens of millions of jobs, generating all of this uh, revenue in the form of sales tax. We actually have. Uh, a lot of power if we organize and we come together as right. as one big group. I think it's just always been uh, a big challenge to get operators uh, together. Yeah. And I and I say yeah. this as a as a as a former board member of the Golden Gate Restaurant Association. Just trying to yeah. get everyone organized, I think, has always been a challenge. Yeah, it's a it's a big uh, test. Let's talk a, l- a little bit about kind of the the models that are starting to evolve. We've seen so many different variants especially coming out of fast casual, it seems like the, the most, if not one of the most innovative uh, sectors in terms of shifting. They were able to make a lot of changes on the fly, much like yourself. What are your thoughts on direct-to-consumer? Um, so I've seen many brands that have started to do boxes, uh, takeaway home meal kits, cook-at-home type product, um, sure. you know, packaged goods, et cetera. What are your thoughts on direct-to-consumer future for fast casual operators as being a business portion uh, of what they might be doing for revenue. Yeah, I think I think it's it's a it's a great avenue to uh, pursue. We actually just launched, and this was something that we worked on for almost a year. We we launched a line of products with uh, Williams Sonoma uh, back in June, and it was a, a line of Suvla uh, 
olive oils and spices and, and, and things along those lines. So that was a nice sort of value add to the, and as a, as a brand, uh, extension. I do think the, the direct to consumer thing, it, it, it very much depends on the, uh, brand. Um, but I do think that, that it's in certain ways, I think, uh, Somewhat of a, I don't want to go as far as saying that it is a a novelty, but certainly back in you know March April when people were truly uh, sheltering in place, um, that was that was kind of a fun way for people. Everyone was cooking at home. They were trying to really make the best of of, of things. So that this was a you know a great way for them to you know support their uh, favorite restaurants and 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 cook you know these these meal kits. Um, I do think that we're seeing again, now just like, a, you know, everyone is trying to get back to normal, trying to do their best to just to, to kind of get back to how the way the way things used to be. And so I, I think that we're seeing a little bit of a, of a, of a peak in these in these meal kits and these and these, mm-hmm. uh, you know, extensions where people really just they want to go back out and, and enjoy restaurants the way that they yeah, used to, sure. you know, so I'm not this this, this isn't a knock towards that. I, I, I don't think that it's that putting all of your eggs into that basket. Is, is is the best. I do think that it gives operators, you know, this is a, a great opportunity for a for a brand extension, like I said, as as we did with our line of you know spices and 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 oils. But um, you still you still want to be able to give the guests what they want, and and what oh, they yeah. want was what they what they've you know remembered your your brand your your restaurant for. Yeah, for sure. Uh, digital technology, lots of new moving parts in many operators that. Uh, Kind of we're, we're dealing with that. What were some of the things that you've found over this period of time that have been able to help you guys kind of sustain and potentially maybe shift how you're handling digital and technology for the future? Anything special that you guys uh, have used or, or, or testing? Yeah, well, one of the things, you know, and we were working on this stuff pre-COVID, um, we've been a, a longtime partner of, of Square, the, the point of sale platform and, and, right. and payments platform. And we were actually working directly with their with their product teams um, at the end of last year and the start of this year on their revamped Square online store. Um, and so that's been and so, so we launched that uh, just sort of pre-COVID and obviously had the opportunity to, um, while we were closed, continue to make some of those of those changes and, and, and really be pretty, pretty digital first. Um, what was interesting uh, in that uh, experience is that is that we learned and, and Suvla might be a little bit more of a, of a fringe sort of uh, edge case, if you will, but um, really working with with the Square team um, to manage the volume and the sort of uh, velocity of orders. Well, obviously, the intent here was uh, to be able to give people a, a contact free means of ordering and, and picking up Suvla. Um, what we learned in that process is that is that we have to find better ways to be able to throttle uh, orders coming in. When, yeah. we, when we reopened, um, we, we, we reopened two of our restaurants to, to, to start and, and on those opening days, they were taking in within the first, you know, couple of minutes, hundreds of orders to the, to the oh. point that, that, that we were, we were, com- you know, completely overwhelmed. And obviously this is a, a, like a good problem to have, um, but it is something to, to, to think about as uh, brands continue to go more sort of digital first, um, right. where you have to you have to start to really think about um, in the in the online world, how do you sort of manage the sort of quote unquote line? You know, normally mm-hmm. for for a lot of fast casual brands, right. you know, you go, you know, you 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 leave the office, you 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 go downstairs and you walk, you know, to your favorite salad place or sandwich place, and you see a line of twenty people, and so now yeah. you just you're able to you're sort of understand cued. that. 
<laughs> exactly. Um, whereas if you're just ordering from your phone, you don't really necessarily know how busy that restaurant is at, at, at any given time. So that was really a big uh, opportunity for us. Uh, when we when we reopened, we were, you know, uh, really trying to push everything through uh, the Square Online store and sort of and we had to turn it off uh, on day three because wow. we needed to really go back to the to the to the drawing board um, and understand how to better uh, manage the 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 inbound orders. And and again, thinking about when everyone when when the consumer wants to eat, everyone wants lunch at noon and dinner at seven and you know any any one establishment can only make a finite amount of uh, exactly. product in yeah. those in those in those times so that's going to be a big thing for for operators uh you know across the board how do you deal with those peak volume times if you're if you're not managing a physical line or a reservation book or any of those things yeah for sure Let's talk a little bit about uh, two things. Uh, when you look at real estate and kind of the shift that's happening, you guys, of course, had uh, a food truck active during all this time. Um, your thoughts, because I remember when we got a chance to, the first time I visited Suvla was about 18 months ago, almost two years ago. We, uh, You had taken the initiative to do um, that special drive-up window, so to speak. Not a drive-up, it, it was a takeout window, but it was for the right. Uber drivers. And I thought this was a perfect example of not going in and, you know, bothering the the guest. And especially when you have a small footprint in restaurants, that floor space is so secure. So now when you're looking at the footprints of new restaurants, food truck, um, takeout or pickup windows, kiosks, alternative ways that guests could get food. What are you seeing as primary curbsides? Another one. What do you see as primary categories that you think is going to win you know, and stick with us over the next five years? Sure. I think that, yeah, this, this, this curbside or walk up, uh, window, uh, thing that, that we launched, uh, and, and that was our, our latest restaurant when you, when you came by to, to yep. see it. I mean, now you're basically seeing that happen in almost every restaurant. They're just kind For of sure. retrofitting it in, in, in kind of a funky way, just in the same way that we did with the, with the, with our other restaurants where there's an order window and there is a pickup window. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think you're really going to start to see that, um, stay, uh, across the board and, and yep. probably done in a little bit more of an, uh, intentional way, much like we designed that restaurant that, that, that you saw with a proper, you know, uh, uh, pickup window there and the, the, uh, reserved space for the for caviar the or Uber yeah. for the, for the, for the, for the driver or also for the, for the guest that's ordering online. That's, you know, on their way home, they can pull up, they can hop out, they can, they can grab right. their food. Um, that's yeah. about the best that we're going to be able to do in an urban environment where we don't have the luxury of drive throughs um, mm -hmm. You're obviously seeing a lot of the much larger brands, you know, the ones that are, that are doing very well, certainly in the, in the, in the QSR space really are, are the ones that have those, those drive throughs uh, And I think that you're going to start to see that again, in a little bit more of a, uh, um, uh, suburban application, you know, yeah. um, but I think I think also something along the lines of, um, you know, some sort of an outpost like Sweet Green's outpost model, I think is is right. is really really great that they had intended for for office buildings, um, but we might we might start to see that in little like you know neighborhood yeah. hubs, you know, yeah. where where yeah. there's where there's where there's someone with some sort of like a little kiosk that's that's just managing the the pickup of of, of these things. Interestingly enough, right. you mentioned food trucks. We have. Uh, the country's only frozen Greek yogurt truck um, that we do. That's more for sort of uh, um, uh, events, which who knows when events are, are, are going to come back. Um, interesting, though, that we haven't really seen a lot of the of food trucks come back 
just yet. That's um, been a, and a rarely, really, That's kind yeah, of been a surprising um, one to me. Yeah, no, I, I I very much agree. Like especially as I mentioned earlier about the, the closure of these of these streets, um, we haven't really seen much along the lines of of food trucks. I think sort of uh, you know. We, we, we usually see them in more dense urban environments, the, the sort of the downtown, you know, right. five eyes where, where you can where you can do that, obviously, with with those uh, areas pretty decimated, you know, um, that's also something to, to, to be said. But certainly, I think, you know, more outdoor markets, things along those lines, um, gives, yeah. you know, an opportunity for for food trucks. But certainly with respect to, you know, our growth and uh, you know, development, it's, it's, it's really about spaces that have far more outdoor dining um, that we can sort of, you know, design with, with COVID in mind. Interesting. Have the, I know San Francisco uh, had a couple of food truck uh, parks that were doing really well. Are, have they been able to hold on? Um, that's a good question. I don't know exactly. Um, I think we're starting to see some of them come back. Okay. Um, and I think, yeah, so I, um, I'm, I'm not as connected in, in that in that scene, but I, but I, I just saw a, a couple things the other day where where some of those are are starting to kind of make their uh, you know return back. So yeah. I think I think I think it's I think it's more of a bigger opportunity to um, because outdoor farmers markets and, and all those are, are are still happening. That that becomes you know a great opportunity. It's obviously yeah. a, can be a little bit of a of a double edged sword though with you know respect to coming into neighborhoods uh, mm-hmm. where there are local restaurants um, and that being seen as, as, you know, uh, sort of direct competition, unfair advantage, you yeah. know, we're all obviously just, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to stay alive right now and to have someone else kind of come in and, you know, uh, park their truck outside of your restaurant and potentially take revenue away from you. That's, that, that can be um, challenging. <laughs> Bit of a problem. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. A couple of, a couple of things here. When you, uh, when you think about the flow of inbound orders, cause this is something uh, I've talked to a few operators about and it's really affected their operations because they switched to so much online and takeout Kind of two questions here. One is, have you seen the shift from the consumer aspect of doing more takeout, meaning I'm going to come and get it, um, or third-party delivery there in your market? Is, is there a shift occurring, or are we still seeing third-party as a stronghold? What are, what are you seeing in your market? Yeah, we're we're. I mean, I, I obviously know the the Suvla numbers, um, but I you know. Third party is still very much, you know, a a stronghold, and I think that they have. We've obviously seen that that uptick, um, but I don't think that it's that it's exponential in the way that that everyone just thought that it was going to be all delivery and right, no right. and no and no takeout. Um, I mean, we've seen about a, a ten point uh, increase in our uh, delivery uh, with 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 the rest of it, you know, still being in person takeout. So now we're mm-hmm. now we're running about a sixty forty. Um, where we used to do about thirty percent delivery, we're doing about forty percent delivery, okay. uh, and now that 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 sixty percent is uh, in person takeout, obviously wow. online ordering um, or 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 in person, uh, and of course we're seeing and and you know here from where I sit in our office in in SF, you know the uh, continued uh, consolidation of the third party delivery market, oh, obviously yeah. DoorDash's acquisition of Caviar and that sort of recent. Um, merger uh, uh, together that we've been, you know, we've had sort of front row seats to. Um, obviously, the the um, Uber Eats is Postmates acquisition Uber. of Postmates, yep. you know, uh, and 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 everything else. But I, but I do think that now that people are venturing, they're 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 back to being outside. I think that mm-hmm. March, April, 
you know, May, people were, were taking, certainly here, we're taking this very seriously. And, and most people weren't really leaving their, their homes unless it was to go, to go to the grocery store. So they were getting more delivered. Um, now, I think people are just more comfortable being outside. And they have sort of the, because everyone is working from home, more or less, they have the sort of additional time yeah. to be like, you know what, it's like, we're going to go order this food. And it's like, let's go walk over. Let's go take a walk. Let's go walk 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Let's go walk over and, and, and grab our food and and walk back because honestly right now without sort of restaurants in their in their more sort of full service um, way and certainly with the lack of bars there's kind of a there's not a whole lot to do at night anymore to be honest mm-hmm. with you <laughs> <laughs> it's a change definitely in our lifestyle habits that's for sure okay so for sure. Uh, let's let's talk about the shift of the takeout delivery model that obviously be going to 100% especially for you guys so when you start to open restaurants back up in California, we're starting to see this in some of the other states. I'm seeing it right here in Florida, where the, um, I won't call it an imposition, but what's happening is the throughput of the takeout orders are starting to affect the operational back of house for the orders that are happening for the walk-ins or the people who are dining in. We still have mm-hmm. limited dining, but there at least is dining in here in South sure. Florida. Sure. So with that occurring, and we get back up to say fifty percent occupancy, or hopefully within the next six months to a year, we're back to back to normal. The idea is, by most of the pundits and experts I've talked with, is this is going to stick around. Takeout's going to probably be a large, much larger percentage of our business. So you almost have to reconsider the construct of how these restaurants are operating from an operational standpoint. Have you guys sure. done anything to deal with that? You know, because you got to keep two two people happy now. You got fifty sure. takeout orders, and you got six orders in the line that are you know a party of six that just walked in and they're ready to go. How are sure. you guys we, expecting to see that uh, kind of shift? Because that's a different model. One hundred percent. But for us, it's it's actually business as usual. I mean, think about pre COVID. We were we were fifty percent uh, off premise. Which, so yeah, we which were, is very we high, were, very high. Which is which is which is very high and 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 quite unusual and and, and Subla is, is is a little unique in, in in many ways that being one of them and so we've always for six and a half years we've always dealt with this this delicate balance of of uh, maintaining this exceptional quality of service and and dining uh, experience in the restaurant while doing a considerable amount of off premise so so for us it's a little bit more about just getting back to what we used to do and that's something that we know how to do very very well. Um, the biggest thing for us when we get there is how we deal with um, staffing because yeah. we are, as I as I made mention, um, we're operating right now under under limited hours. Um, mm-hmm. So we're now we, we used to be a seven day a week operation, fourteen services, you know, eleven hours a day, um, just you know, basically nonstop. We're 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 down to a five day a week operation. Uh, seven services, so dinner only Wednesday through Friday, and then lunch and dinner Saturday and Sunday, and we're and we're doing it all with a with a uh, considerably smaller team, yeah. uh, both in the front of the house and in the back of the house. We're actually leveraging our commissary, which is, has a much larger physical footprint, uh, to do a lot of the prep and production offsite, so that we can have fewer people in our kitchens. Um, doing all of the prep work because all of our kitchens, like most restaurant kitchens, are are quite small. So, so we're we're really uh, we're really really mindful of the health and safety sort of component of this. Um, so for us, it's it, for us it's it's really just about um, you know that that slow transition back into kind of what we used to 
to, to do. And I think for us, I think we'll probably explore outdoor dining, um, you know, towards this, towards the start of the year. We're, we, we are playing this, I, I would say probably more conservatively than, than many other brands. And that, yeah. um, and that sort of starts with me, uh, and, and, yeah. and my own sort of beliefs, um, and just making sure that we keep our team as safe as we possibly can. So, yeah, for sure. Charles, last question here, California, it's been a hot, zone for business defectors, people moving out of California with their businesses under the current climate. What are you seeing as a leader really in, in Northern California? You're one of the cornerstones of kind of the business community there. What are your thoughts about what's happening uh, with the state of California? It's it's very, very real. Uh, it's very real. And quite frankly, I don't I do not blame the people that are doing it. Um, if you have the ability to work remotely, um, and you don't need to physically be in a very expensive city like like San Francisco that is now sort of devoid of so many things that that used to make it great. Right. Why stay? You know, and that and that concerns me as a as a business owner because so many of those people that are that are asking themselves those questions are our core clientele. Right. You know. So so we are starting to rethink with our growth how do we how do we you know if we're going to start to add new restaurants starting next year can we go to these places that 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 so much of our of our core demographic are now moving to mm-hmm. uh, and that could be just outside of, of of san francisco we used to sort of issue the the sub you know the whole suburb you know uh, um you know, suburban move. It's, it's something that is kind of back on the table. Honestly, everything yeah. is, 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 is back on the table now, Paul. Yeah, um, sure. but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, we don't have the luxury of working from home. Um, we don't have the luxury of just picking up our business and saying, we're going to yeah. relocate to, you know, Florida or Texas or, or another place where it's cheaper to live and the taxes are lower or, or, or any of those things, you know, we have, and an obligation to our uh, uh, community here in in San Francisco. So many people inside the city and even outside the city that that that, that commute in see Suvla as a uh, uh, utility. You know, really something mm-hmm. that's that that's that's kind of this like it's a it is a it is a staple and and it, it's 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 really our obligation uh to you know continue to 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 provide that to those that that stay i think that that um you know that's kind of where we're at right now but it's yeah, definitely something sure. that is that is that is top of mind yeah petaluma here we come <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. nice little community yeah. for those of listening in nice little community uh, very much is very much across is. The bay yeah. in california yeah. yeah charles it's always great having you on the show i love your insights and i'm i'm glad to see suvla has emerged on the other side of this i i've been worried about a lot of brands and and i knew that you guys had closed and i was really hoping that uh, a reopening was going to occur so i'm glad to see everything's at least starting to move back to some normalcy I know we've got a lot ahead of us and a lot of challenges. We do. Thanks for stopping in on the show today. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Paul. Always always good to see you. All right. Okay, so all all of you guys listening in and ladies over to Fast Casual Nation, maybe you're on iTunes, uh, over on Spotify, drop us a review. We love to get those ratings. And I love also to read your comments. Those are the things that I think for me are the most important in understanding if we're delivering uh, to our audience what you're wanting to see, hear, and read about here on Fast Casual Nation. Uh, if you have an idea maybe of a great leader or an, a Fast Casual concept that you think should be on it, maybe it's a technology or a service that should be helping this industry, 
shoot that over to producer at foodabletv.com. And of course, you can always hit me up on Twitter. My name is Paul Barron. We'll catch you next time on Fast Casual Nation. We'll be right back.